Now, the Sunday Spin continues on 720 WGN. Here's Rick Pearson. Welcome to the second hour of your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Joining me now on the phone is Democratic State Representative Michael Zaleski from Riverside. And uh, Representative Zaleski is the chairman of the Illinois House Revenue and Finance Committee. Representative, thank you for joining me this evening. Uh, It's good to be on, Rick. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. But I have great trepidation when it comes to the legislature returning in session because it's going to be a lot of work, I have a feeling. Um, This is the first time with the legislature coming in on Wednesday. This is the first time they've been back since how long? Uh, I want to say we were there the first week of March, and then we um, were supposed to have a week off back in the districts, and then we never came back. So, uh, yeah, it's been early March at least since we've been uh, in the Capitol. Now, I know this is technically a special session where it's limited to the certain items that were delineated uh, in the special session call, all all related to uh, coronavirus, but obviously the the biggest issue is the state budget and we've all seen what the the numbers have been the numbers uh from the governor's office the the revenue shortfall not only for this budget year that ends on june 30th but also what are we looking at ahead for uh, the the new budget year that starts july 1 i mean how do you how do you put together a budget when we, we've been at it for about uh, six weeks. Uh, we've had a working group in the House Democratic Caucus led by Leader Harris, and he's been in communication with the governor's uh, staff and the other caucuses. And um, it won't be easy. Um, you know, the numbers, the effect on the revenue is ca- nothing short of catastrophic. Um, I think our plan is to... Uh, put forth a, a spending plan that does delineate, you know, line items and and talk, you know, and try to um, account for what we consider to be core principles in in any uh, working budget year. With the understanding that the governor is probably going to need increased uh, flexibility to move money into different silos if it comes to that, uh, we're going to also want to see what the federal government ends up doing uh, with respect to both uh, revisions to the original. CARES Act and anything that might be coming in the future. So uh, it's going to be a little bit of planning ahead and a little bit of acknowledging the dire straits that we face currently. Well, I guess I'm wondering, too, is and, and obviously uh, you have we even had the governor uh, recently call for a kind of a state based uh, relief act for uh, residents and small businesses. But so much is dependent upon the federal money and that's that's just a big question mark at this point isn't it it is um you know there there's i i read sort of the published reports or late last week and there seems to be you know what the house the federal house democrats put out which was this three trillion dollar package that is ambitious and you know critiques of it being too ambitious are you know in my mind um a little, uh, a little disingenuous, but it it was it's it's perceived as not being a, a reasonable in the Senate. Um, so you have you know 
too much spending in the House, and then you have the Senate saying pump the brakes. I think the middle there is probably a limited amount of more relief for states and maybe some flexibility in what's already been allocated so that we can use it to fix existing revenue shortfalls. You have uh, the president even today, I guess this morning, on uh, Fox News Business, uh, citing Democratic states and specifically Illinois and using the term bailout and how, you know, uh, obviously when you have a Democratic governor like Pritzker and a Republican president like Trump at loggerheads uh, in, in Trump's term that uh, Pritzker is trying to get uh, Washington to make up for 25 years of bad spending decisions. I, I mean, you know, I think the critique is that we are looking for more than what other states would be looking for, which I don't find to be accurate. You know, I, I think every state, red or blue, governed by Republicans or Democrats, is seeing their revenue uh, fall off a cliff. And I think that they're going to rightfully ask their congressmen and their senators to go to D.C. and say, is there anything you can do to mitigate the pain of, you know, five months, which I think is going to end up being four or five months of, of a lack of economic activity. And, and I don't think it's unreasonable to ask Congress to consider that. I think it's it's something that we should at the very least ask our congressmen to do. And, you know, we're not asking for anything any other state doesn't want. I think we're asking for just allocation of of loss of revenue. And, you know, then we'll go about budget making in the best way we can. So I don't consider it a bailout. I consider it a necessary critical need of every state that's dealing with, you know, again, a catastrophic circumstance. I guess the question, and, and I'm going to save this because we're going to take a break here momentarily, but when we come back, uh, the question is uh, how – how do, how do you believe Washington will get money to Illinois and municipalities and how many strings will be attached? That'll be the okay. question. That'll be the question for Democratic State Representative Mike Zaleski from Riverside, chairman of the Illinois House Revenue Committee. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Rick Pearson here with your Sunday spin from the WGN Skyline studio. On the phone is the chairman of the Illinois House Revenue and Finance Committee, Democratic State Representative Michael Zaleski from Riverside. And uh, I, I posed the question to you before the break, and, the, and, and, and I'll restate it is uh, I'm, I'm anticipating, too, because it is not just a red state or a blue state problem. It's a blue state, red state problem. Every state is in need of uh, some help with revenues over the loss from the uh, pandemic and and the stay-at-home orders and non-essential business orders and those kinds of things. The question, I guess, is how how many strings do you think are attached to any money coming from the feds? Um, I, I'd, be su- I'd be surprised if they simply gave us a blank check and said, you you uh, you can do anything you'd like with with this uh, CARES Act relief, um, you know. So I, I expect there'll be some limitations. There wasn't the first couple of CARES Act uh, bills to the states. Um, you know, I hope it's I hope it's reasonable. I hope it's just go to pay operating expenses and and help us uh, make basic um, uh, make basic. Um, appropriations to agencies and and 
you know, communities to, to help them get through this. Um, that's my expectation. And, you know, beyond that, I probably, I probably won't have a better flavor of it until Congress, you know, sits down and negotiates with each other on what, what they're actually going to do. But, you know, some of the talk that I uh, follow in D.C. says that the, the feds wouldn't even be acting until sometime in June. Uh, granted, you know, if there was some action, that would still be before the state launches its new budget year, July 1st. But given that uncertainty, uh, is it a matter of trying to put together a partial year budget rather than a, a, a full year budget? Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's the, a matter of sort of laying out a spending plan that has a uh, operational structure to it that allows us to fund state government and certain programs. And I think then combine the governor's increased flexible authority with, you know, whatever happens at the federal end, um, you, you'll give us the opportunity to sit back in those summer months, evaluate what our uh, what we're able to do in terms of both uh, the federal, uh, you know, whatever federal money is coming our way, whatever federal borrowing we can do, um, it, what, whether revenues increase or not. And then I think at some point in the in the future, we'll come back to Springfield and reevaluate where we are from a budget perspective. I think that's probably the most realistic scenario. So, so are we looking in this three-day scheduled session to be done with everything? Until uh, until to to convene at a later date somewhere down the road. I I mean I think the special session proclamation lays out our agenda pretty well. I think right. there's limited things we can do with COVID relief. I think there's a budget we have to pass. I think we have to deal with some um, election related activity, and then there's certain laws we call them sunsets that end at the end of uh, either the end of a fiscal year or the end of a calendar year that. You know, agencies will tell us you really got to get this done so that we don't have uncertainty in the law. So I think those areas are the ones we focus on in three days. You know, it's going to be interesting, Rick. We we're going to go at the convention center and we're going to have roll call voting. It's not going to be a typical switch uh, buttons button voting. So there's not going to be a lot of bandwidth for extracurricular activity. I think we're, our agenda is going to be really narrow and really focused in a desire to get us out of there, both for our own personal safety, staff safety, and just because logistically there's not going to be an opportunity to do a whole lot more. So, But but the goal is to try to basically wrap up in three days to uh, to reassemble at a, at, a, at a point in the future. Yeah, that's correct. Um, you, you mentioned about election issues, and I, I want to kind of move over to that of course uh, a lot of talk on the federal level uh but also among the states about uh using this as an effort to move to vote by mail something that uh, the president is vehemently against and, and cites potential for fraud even though there has been very limited cases of fraud in vote by mail that's been shown but not to mention he votes by mail but go ahead well, yes and i was going to say and he he cast his vote uh in florida from from dc for florida uh but uh there are you know there's all kinds of flavors in this there's there's ones who say everybody in the state of illinois who's a registered voter should get a ballot and, uh, and stamped uh, so that they can just fill it and send it back in there's others that say well everybody should get a application to vote by mail uh which 
might have more advocates from maybe the county clerks and and the 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 local folks because they actually run the elections. I mean, how how expansive do you think we're going to get, you know, with this election type issue? Well, I think whatever we do, uh, my expectation is it'll be limited to this election because I, you sort of articulated the the special circumstances of a COVID election. Um, and I think you really laid out really nicely, like, what are the options we have? My my own personal opinion is um, we should make uh, voting by mail as easy as we can for this one election just to reduce the um, opportunity for the virus to spread in polling places. Um, if that means that everyone gets the opportunity to vote um by mail, then um, they should be given that opportunity. And if if there's a limited amount of time where, you know, you haven't voted by mail, you haven't postmarked the application, maybe we stand up four or five polling places in each um, unit of local government so that you can get there by the election day to vote. I think it's almost going to be the reverse of the way we usually... I, I, I haven't talked to anybody. This is my own personal opinion, but it should be almost the reverse way of what we do usually, which is voting by mail is sort of a uh, outlier and then everyone goes on election day. Maybe this time we do it the other way. Um, but I do think vote by mail is a preferred method for this one election. And then we see, again, we see how it works. We evaluate it and then we go from there and in future elections to see what can be, what can be done and what's best practices. We've seen from, uh, the Republican leaders in the legislature, uh, calls to use the special session to uh, talk about legislation that uh, is basically a legislative review of the issue of Governor Pritzker's executive orders with the opportunity to amend those orders. Uh, do you see any anything moving on that front? I think... Uh it'll be difficult to get into the the executive orders and, and, and reversing anything that's been um, penned to paper on, on executive orders only because what's important to a downstate lawmaker may not be important to a suburban lawmaker. I think the thing that we can hope for, you know, what I've heard, I, I know there's frustration with um, the Restore Illinois plan. And I think the governor has acknowledged that, you know, he, he, can't make everyone happy with this plan and and he's doing what he can to listen to science and epidemiologists who tell him that it's important to do it this way um i think the best thing we can do as opposed to going down there and um trying to legislate him out of um what he's trying to accomplish is to just continue to have a dialogue with the governor and, and continue to try to work with his staff on explaining um you know, the challenges legislators see. And, and eventually, I think the numbers are going to improve enough where you're really going to start to see a dynamic shift and, and the state's going to start reopening in a way that people really wanted to. But I don't expect us to revisit the executive orders when we get back down there. Well, I mean, and, and uh, if you were listening to the previous guest, Sam Toya, with the Restaurant Association, he's kind of in this, you know, well, it takes 20, 28 days to get to another stage, and then it takes 28 days after that to get to another stage. And, you know, trying to look and see, you know, why isn't there some flexibility here? That's true. And and I think that, you know, there's there's probably a a frustration among Sam's members about the the way the restore plan is set up. And I think there's a probably um, 
again, I, I think that, you know, when I've heard the governor talk, he's, he's been willing to engage in a dialogue with um, restaurant owners. And I think the mayor said on Friday in, in the Tribune, in your publication, that she's looking at ways to try to get restaurants open in Chicago in June. So it, it, in my opinion, if the numbers continue to improve and you start to see a real, um, real sense that we're really starting to reduce the amount of effect this virus is having, I think all these decisions get a lot easier. Um, but we're not quite there yet. I think May 28th is a big day. I think if we get to phase three, I think um, we'll be in a position to continue to to have a constructive um, conversations with the governor on how to ease back into an economy that can start generating economic activity again. You kind of touched on something about, you know, to me, the this, this coronavirus and the, the, the way the state has dealt with it has has only seemed to have you know we those divisions between upstate and downstate have mm-hmm. always been raw but just seem to have really really expanded on that and i don't know that 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 differential gets healed in what becomes of the new economy after this i i tend to agree with you i'm a i'm a little uh saddened that you know it's it, it this this whole virus has seemed to coarsen our political divide overall um you know and and you know i think one thing that i've noticed in just um reviewing what i hear from the governor and and going through uh, reports that we get and briefings that we get is it's starting to be less about community spread and more about where the virus is located it's located in nursing homes it's located in large manufacturing facilities like food processors and it's located in in areas like um, jails and prisons. And then when employees go into those facilities and they come back out into their homes, they're spreading the the virus. Those areas are just as prevalent. Those those things are as prevalent in downstate communities, if not more than they are in in Cook County um, in Chicago. So, you know, it's managing that, and it's trying to figure out how to prevent spread in those types of settings. And, And it's happening on a national level, and it's happening in a very... A local level here in Illinois. So, um, you know, I know that I, I, I watch Facebook and I watch TV and I see the frustration among my downstate colleagues. Um, but, but I also feel I, I have family members that have passed away as a result of the coronavirus. It's, it's just a, it's a, it's a difficult dynamic and, you know, there's no easy, there's no good choices. There's just bad choices and less bad choices. So it's just been a lot, it's been a very difficult situation. That's Democratic State Representative Michael Zaleski from Riverside, the chairman of the Illinois House Revenue Committee. Uh, Mr. Chairman, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Rick, have a good evening. Thank you.